0: Articles of Faith is a weekly interview show featuring scholars and writers who have written about the doctrines and teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Articles of Faith is a production of Fair Mormon and is hosted by Nick Galetti.
1: Dr. Valerie Hudson joined the faculty of Texas A&M University at the Bush School in 2012 as the George Bush Chair. He is considered an expert on international security and foreign policy analysis. She received her Ph.D. in political science at The Ohio State University. In 2009, foreign policy named her one of the top 100 most influential global thinkers. Dr. Hudson developed a nation-by-nation database on women at womanstats.org that triggered both academic and policy interest, including use by both the U.S. Senate Foreign Relations Committee and various agencies in the United States. Valerie is one of the founders of the online journal called Square Two, found at Square Two, .org. Thank you, Valerie, again for coming on to our show.
0: Thanks. It's nice to be here.
1: Yeah, so uh, I guess by way of introduction to the topic that we're going to be addressing today is with a quote from your article where you quote Confucius. Everybody loves when people quote Confucius. So uh, this is, if language is not correct, then what is said is not what is meant. If what is said is not what is meant, then what must be done remains undone. If this remains undone, morals and art will deteriorate. If justice goes astray. The people will stand about in helpless confusion. Hence, there must be no arbitraries in what is said. This matters above everything. So with that being said, and in order to talk about your article, why don't you kind of introduce how, what that, art, that quote means to the topic, and, and I guess what, what was Ralph Hancock's essay in, uh, on Pathios that you're also kind of responding to?
0: Uh, sure. The longer I live, the more I realized that, you know, Confucius really identified for us uh, a key method by which civilizations drift far from their moorings and become more fragile over time. Uh, and I think um, the use of language uh, to, um, in a sense, create a false reality um, or to to deceive or lead one astray is a very, very powerful um, technique um, that can be used by those with ulterior motives. Not only Confucius, but I think we see it in Isaiah when he talks about uh, those who call evil good and good evil. Um, we get sort of the same flavor that it's, it's very important that we have uh, words that, that mean what they say. Okay. Um, and we've seen this in a lot of the dystopian novels. So a lot of uh, young people are familiar with The Giver, uh, where we have a society that calls death release, uh, and uh, where you go after death elsewhere. And so the children in the society are are, are taught, you know, that, that one day when they're older, they'll be released, that those who are injured uh, and cannot be healed or those who are disabled or or those who are surplus in the population will be released to elsewhere. But what this really means is that they'll be euthanized. They'll simply be killed. And so um, the use of that sort of deceptive language allows cruelties to take over. And And I think we have those kinds of problems of rectification of names
1: here today. Yeah. And, and this is coming to more of a social commentary kind of situation with what Ralph Hancock was talking about and his article was entitled eternal womanhood and the limits of public recognition recognition uh, that was posted on Patheo. So how did that article and what you've talked about here about the importance of language and how it changes, how does that come into your article?
0: Right. Um, Ralph, um, I mean, he and I go way back. We were even undergraduates at BYU together. Oh, goodness, I guess it would have been the 70s. And um, he's also an editorial board member on Square, Two. And so, uh, however, Ralph's argument in Empathios um, in goes just a little bit too far for me. Um, in responding to Sharon Eubanks' terrific talk at Mormon uh, this past uh, year, he speaks of... Um, how, you know, to the extent that Mormon women desire to be equal or to claim that God is fair, that they're going to elide into um, something much different. Quality in today's world has come to mean famous. That, in fact, uh, there's uh, what he believes is a very dangerous uh, downside and that this will come to mean that uh, women must be treated exactly as men, must, women must have, um, you know, the, uh, the male um, version of priesthood, you know, all this other sort of stuff that he would decry. Um, but I suppose I, I am trying to suggest that that's, you know, taking words like fair and equal out of our lexicon, is probably a bad move. So I suggest a different way to approach this issue.
1: Some of these examples or some of these terms, they do come with kind of, I guess, some baggage, if you will. They're, they're kind of loaded terms nowadays. So what are some of these terms? You said freedom. Uh, you said equality. Are there any other terms that maybe just don't do justice to LDS theology that are kind of at play here?
0: Um, the other one that I talked about in my essay is fairness. So freedom, fairness, and equality.
1: So, again, why, why are these the kind of the key focuses? Why are these the, the issues that, I guess, both you and Ralph, and to a certain extent Sharon ubake have employed with their discussion of topics of women? Why, why are these the terms that are used, or why are they problematic now?
0: Well, those are two different questions. I think they're, they're used because they have deep doctrinal significance right? We believe that one soul is as precious as another before God. That's a strong sense of equality. And you can add to that um, other types of scriptures that talk about how in Zion, right, there's, there's no rich, there's no poor, um, there's no ite, um, that, that everyone has the right to give counsel and to provide consent, in a sense a deep deep sense in which we understand doctrinally the equality of God's children uh, and we also believe deeply i think that God is fair okay that there that God is a God of fairness and justice and then lastly um you know the LDS uh, uh, theology speaks quite a bit about agency and freedom and the desire to choose for ourselves and that God will force no man to heaven. So freedom, fairness, and equality are deeply, deeply doctrinal. And that's why we use these terms. You know, the point that Ralph is making, and I think it's a good point, is that these terms have been hijacked to mean something else within our broader society. And I agree. But Ralph's course of action would be I I imagine he seems to imply the course of action would be to not use those terms. Um, At at all. Just uh, wipe them away. (laughs) Just not use them at all. Whereas I think a better course of action is to hijack them back and make very plain what we mean by freedom and fairness and equality.
1: And I think at actually one point in your article you expressed some interest Perhaps jokingly, but you express some interest in making a wiki dictionary of new terms created by women about experiences that are exclusively what we would call feminine experiences. I, I guess I'm curious with the passion that you seem to have about this and with what Confucius says, that there's nothing else that matters more. Why is that not happening? Why are we not moving forward with something oh. like that?
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked that question because... Um you know, I, I think deep down inside, I'm not joking about this at all. Um, I think that one of the most important ways that we're, we are going to realize that vision of men and women being sincerely equal partners is that um, the language, which has been you know pretty much developed in a male-dominated society, is going to need to make room for the experiences uh, for the words, for the concepts that would come from a female-led existence. So, if anyone wants to join me in that project, let me know. <laughs> I mean, it's too daunting to consider just as a solo woman. But yeah. if others want to be involved, then I say let's let's start to to create those words uh, for what for what we know and have not been able to express.
1: Yeah. Now you're going to have to help me with this. I, I assume it's a little piece of Latin, but a, a good portion of your article talks about this in argumentato piece. I, you see, I, didn't, I can't even say it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, I don't
0: know. I don't know Latin either. But my best shot would be in argumentado pietatis, which uh, it means in the context of righteousness.
1: Okay. So, what? How does that fit into? Because again, we're talking about the use of language here, and now you've thrown in Latin which just makes me all confused. So, <laughs> so how <laughs> well, does that fit Well, we can certainly
0: abbreviate it as IAP or something like that. There you go. Sort of shorthand so that we know uh, what we're referring to. But um, in, in trying to hijack these terms back, right, in being unwilling to cede the ground and say, okay, we're going to banish freedom, fairness, and equality from our vocabulary as LDS persons, you know, how is it that we're going to indicate You know, what we feel are the proper definitions of freedom and fairness and equality. So, uh, I use this term as just a device, and I'm not asking anyone to pick the device up, but I think that there there must be some way that we signal that the term freedom that we're using means freedom in a particular context. So, let's take freedom first. Um, You know, we know doctrinally... Um, It says it right there in the DNC, I, the Lord God, make you free, therefore you are free indeed. Okay, so we know that God wants us to be free, but God's definition of freedom is a little bit different from our society's definition of freedom, right? Yes. Um, Which is that the opposite of freedom is sin, that the Lord goes on to say, "Abide ye in the liberty with wherewith ye are made free. Entangle not yourselves in sin." Okay, so um, if we engage in sin, if we if we choose unrighteousness, then we've actually destroyed our own freedom. Okay, so when people say, you know, uh, use the term freedom to mean I get to do whatever I want because I'm a free being. Well, in one sense that's true, but the minute that you begin to use your freedom to labor in sin, right, then you have destroyed your own freedom. So the only freedom possible is freedom in the context of righteousness, in argumentato pietatis. You can do the same with the other terms as well, right? We can do it with fairness, right? We, we know absolutely that God is no respecter of persons. We know that there's a way to save not just the living, but also the dead, and that those who died before the age of accountability, okay, uh, don't even need baptism because they cannot repent. I mean, we we know that God is a fair God, but what we don't understand is that God is fair in the context of righteousness. Assuming that you are righteous, right, then then you are are treated absolutely on an equivalent level with everyone else. But when you fall from righteousness, right, I think we we have to understand that God is also just. And so, if you do not get promised blessings because you've used your freedom to choose sin, that's not unfair. It's not unfair. And lastly, equality. Uh, our doctrine is shot through with equality. I love... Uh, The parable that Jesus gave: What man among you, having twelve sons, and is no respecter of them, and they serve him obediently, and he saith unto the one, Be thou clothed in robes and sit thou here; and to the other, Be thou clothed in rags and sit thou there, and looketh upon his sons and say, I am just. Right again, what's interesting about this parable is the context the Lord is providing. Right, they serve him obediently. All his sons served him obediently, so there is no justification for treating one better than the other. But when you take that context out, right, then there are going to be differences in treatment, right? So those who have not served him, those who have chosen unrighteousness, are not going to receive all the blessings and, uh, and the authorities and the responsibilities of those that have, have, shown, have chosen righteousness.
1: And that, that, that all sounds great within the context of, of Mormonism, Mormon theology, and things like that. At some point, you say we have to reclaim these definitions as our own, and I think that that's wonderful within the context of our own, of, of our own communications with other members of the Church. However, in perhaps more scholarly academic circles, how then do you suggest that we reclaim these things with people that are clearly uh, in, in a difference of opinion on the, these definitions? How do we have a discourse and communication with non-members or even academics on these, these key issues?
0: Well, I think we already do, and, and um, we already. I mean, think of the Sharon Eubank talk that, that Ralph was commenting on. Sharon Eubank openly used the term equality, that men and women are equal to one another. Okay, Where where I think the danger is, is that we ourselves will forget what we mean by those terms. And we will take the definitions from the world. And I think that's what Ralph is most concerned about. And so my response is, well, we can make sure that we point out what it is we mean among our own people. If, uh, you know, the, the second thing is, what about the rest of the world? Um, and, you know, I, I really don't think that the rest of the world is, is going to agree with our definitions. Nevertheless, right, we're enjoined uh, to to try to preach these things to the world. Uh, and so... As long as there's any sort of missionary effort, whether that be organized through the Church or whether we're talking more informally about discourse that we may have with our colleagues and our acquaintances who are not of our faith, I think we would make plain the different way in which Mormons use these terms, freedom, fairness, and equality, so that they may understand where we're coming from. Um, Can we impose our definitions of these terms on them? No. But neither do we have to relinquish these terms simply because they have a slightly different definition in the rest of the world. Consider the the notion of the patriarchal order. You know, we don't stop using the term patriarchal order because patriarchy in in the fallen world means men rule over women. That's not what the patriarchal order means. The patriarchal order means that the male priesthood is handed down from father to son. Right? But it doesn't say anything to the equality of men and women. So we constantly have to explain that to our young men and women so they don't get the wrong idea. I think we can continue to do the same with terms such as freedom, fairness, and equality. We don't have to throw in the towel on this. These terms are way too important to give up.
1: So so your, your feeling is that we, and I guess to a certain extent Ralph's, is that we... We do run the risk of being perhaps misquoted or misunderstood because of these change in definitions, but your position is, that's okay, we should still own them, and, and that, that's, that's how we keep our doctrine intact, is by maintaining these very important words that do define and capture the theology that, that we ascribe to.
0: That's precisely right, Nick. That's right. precisely right. The onus is on us to make sure that we're clarifying what we mean. But we're not obligated to give up these deeply important and doctrinal uh, concepts.
1: Excellent. Okay, well, we are going to definitely post a link to your article. Uh, the article, of course, is at square2.org, and we will have a posting of that in correspondence with this episode at blog.fairmormon.org. How is Square 2 going? Is it uh, bigger than you thought it would be? Is, is it exactly where you thought it would be? And:
0: <laughs> uh, We're very pleased. Um, we gain readership with uh, every issue, and um, we see uh, links to Square Two articles from other places in the blogger knackle. We've never aspired to really go gung-ho because there, you know there's no paid positions here. This is right. all volunteer. Uh, And so, you know, if we were to become too big, we'd probably be overwhelmed and and not be able to handle the task of getting these issues out. So, yeah, I think we're in a very nice, sweet spot where people who need to um, read the kind of articles that we publish are finding us. Um, But, you know, we don't have to be out in in front of, uh, you know, compete for some sort of spotlight. We don't need to do that but uh, our, our readers number in the tens of thousands per issue.
1: Fantastic. That's excellent. Yeah. Well, again, Valerie Hudson, thank you very much for coming on and discussing your article, and uh, hopefully Texas is continuing to treat you well.
0: Yeah, although it's raining cats and dogs here today. But <laughs> I, I imagine up in, in Utah it would be snowing. <laughs> it's
1: not. better. It has been a very weak oh, year for snow. Oh, is it snow. not? No, it's been oh. a very weak year for snow this year. Oh Uh, That's
0: probably too bad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again for coming on.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Articles of Faith with your host, Nick Galletti. This has been a production of Fair Mormon. This and other podcasts are available at fairmormon.org. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Please subscribe to our show in iTunes. Questions or comments can be sent to podcast at baremormon.org. Tune in each Monday for another episode of Articles of Faith. Thank you for listening.